Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I am presenting a series of broadcasts on the subject of how you can account for all three days and three nights that the Lord Jesus was in the grave. And today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I walked through the Gospel of Matthew, showing you how you can determine that the Lord Jesus was crucified on Thursday during the day, that he did participate in the Passover meal on Wednesday evening, and that he was crucified on the following day, Thursday, which technically was still the day of Passover, because the days in the Hebrew calendar begin at sunset and they end at sunset on the following day. Now, also in the previous broadcast, I was explaining the importance of understanding the differences between the laws of Passover and the laws of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In other words, I was explaining that there is a clear distinction between these two festivals. The festival of the Passover is not the same festival as the festival of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. However, they are very close together. The festival of Passover was performed on the 14th day of the first month of the Hebrew calendar, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was performed on the 15th day of the month of the Hebrew calendar. And so given that these two festivals were side by side, they were next to each other, one was held on the day following the other, because of that, the two names for these festivals were being used synonymously. When a person mentioned the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there would be an automatic recognition that the Feast of Passover was the day before the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and so the festivals are effectively the same festivals because they blended in one after the other. Now, because of that recognition, the terms Feast of Unleavened Bread and Passover were being used synonymously. But according to the law, they are not the same. That's important to distinguish. According to the culture, the feasts were considered to be the same. But according to the law of Moses, they were not the same. The culture did obey the law of Moses, but when the culture referred to these festivals, they would often make errors in terms of referring to these festivals. And the example that I gave in the previous broadcast is found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. This is Matthew chapter 26, verse 17, where it says, Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? Here it says in verse 17, On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples asked the Lord Jesus, Where do you want us to prepare for the Passover? This is a slight error. It is a cultural error. According to the culture, the culture would accept this. The culture of that era would look at this and say, we know exactly what they're talking about. And so the error here would be easily overlooked. That's important to understand because we may look at it today and we would say that there is a significant problem here. And in a sense, there is a significant problem here. But according to the people in the time era that the Lord Jesus was ministering, they would not have looked at this as a significant error. 
they would have heard this and they would have understood exactly what the disciples were asking him. The disciples were not just asking him where he wanted them to prepare for the Passover, but also for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread did not occur yet. That had not yet occurred. The first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread began when the Lord Jesus was put in the grave. He was in the grave on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so this is a small error, but if you understand the law and you understand the culture that it was considered to be acceptable to use these two terms synonymously, then you can read through Matthew chapter 26, verse 17, and at least understand what they're referring to. Now, when it comes to preparing for the Passover, this was considered to be a day of preparation. Now, this specific day that the disciples are looking to prepare for the Passover is Wednesday. Wednesday was considered to be a day of preparation for the Passover meal, the Passover meal that was being held on the 14th day of the month. On this day of preparation, there were several things that the disciples would do in order to prepare for the Passover. The first thing that they would do is that they would identify the location where they would be having their Passover meal. At that location, they would then remove all the yeast that is in the house. They would also remove any bread that is leavened. They would then prepare unleavened bread. They would prepare bitter herbs. They would take their lamb to the temple at the appropriate time just before twilight, and then they would sacrifice the lamb and bring the lamb back to the location where they're going to eat the Passover lamb. They would roast it with fire, and there they would remember the exodus from Egypt. Now, this was not the only day of preparation. There was another day of preparation, and that was the following day. And as we go into the scriptures and we see the day of preparation being mentioned, we then need to understand that there were several days of preparation so that we should look at the scriptures and try to determine exactly which day of preparation they're referring to. You see, this first day of preparation was on Wednesday. But Thursday, there was another day of preparation. This day of preparation was not a day of preparation for the Passover meal because that had already occurred. The day of preparation on Thursday was the day of preparation for the coming Sabbath that was going to occur because the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was on the 15th day of the month, was a Sabbath day. It was a unique Sabbath day in that you could prepare food, but you could not buy or sell food. You could not leave your dwelling place, and you could do no other work of any kind. The only work that you could perform was the preparation of food. That was an exception for this specific Sabbath. But during this week, Thursday was the day of preparation for this Sabbath. This is very important to recognize because as we go into the scriptures and we see the day of preparation being mentioned, you have to figure out which day of preparation. Now, Thursday was not the last day of preparation because Friday was also a day of preparation. It was a day of preparation for the seventh day Sabbath. This was the Sabbath that was held every week, the seventh day Sabbath, and the day before, Friday, was a day of preparation for that Sabbath. Now, on this specific day of preparation, the disciples were not permitted to buy or sell, but they could prepare for the Sabbath by continuing to prepare food for the following day, which would be the Sabbath, referring to Saturday. And so, technically, there were three days of preparation in a row. The first day of preparation was Wednesday, which was the day of preparation for the Passover meal. The second day of preparation was Thursday, and that was the day of preparation for the Sabbath of the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then the third day of preparation was Friday, which was the preparation for the seventh-day Sabbath. 
Now, this is another thing that you need to acknowledge, and that is that there were two Sabbaths. The first Sabbath, which was held from Thursday night to Friday night, was the Sabbath of the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this Sabbath only occurred once a year. And then there was another Sabbath, which was the seventh day Sabbath, that would be observed between Friday night and Saturday night. And so if you recognize these two Sabbaths, then again you can go into the Scriptures, and when the Sabbath is referred to, or the Sabbath is mentioned, then you can figure out which Sabbath day are they actually referring to. Because there were two Sabbath days this year on the Hebrew calendar when the Lord Jesus was crucified. There were two Sabbaths, one after the other. The first Sabbath was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the second Sabbath was the regular seventh day weekly Sabbath. This is also a very important detail that you need to acknowledge, but most people are not aware of this other Sabbath, the High Holy Day Sabbath. They're not aware of this Sabbath because they don't read the law. But if you do read the law, then you will see that this Sabbath is there and it is required. And so if you recognize these Sabbaths, there's another little detail that is also very important to see, and that is that the Lord Jesus was crucified on Thursday. When he was crucified on Thursday, people were preparing for the Sabbath day that was about to occur, and that was when there were three stars visible in the sky. On this day, they were not permitted to leave their dwelling place. And so what we have is we have people who came to Jerusalem. Everybody came to Jerusalem. The whole nation of Israel was there in town, or at least within the regional proximity of Jerusalem. Everyone was there, and they were there to participate in the Passover. Now, if anybody decided to leave town, they would have to leave town and go to a location that they would be able to stay in and not leave for a couple of days because of these two Sabbaths, one after the other, because according to the Sabbath law, no one was permitted to leave their dwelling place. So people would probably stay within Jerusalem. They would stay within the regional proximity of Jerusalem because it would be too difficult to travel to another location and prepare for the Sabbaths that were about to occur. And so the Lord Jesus was crucified and people were still in town. And then they were in town on Friday because of the Sabbath day. And they also remained in town on Saturday because of the next Sabbath day. Their next opportunity to travel would be on Sunday morning when the sun rose so that there was light out and they could see and so that they could travel safely and not injure themselves while trying to travel from one location to another. They would have daylight on Sunday morning, but it was Sunday morning that the Lord Jesus rose from the grave. And so no one would have been able to leave Jerusalem from the time that the Lord Jesus was crucified until the time that he rose from the dead. So when he did resurrect from the dead, everyone would be there. Everyone was there when he was crucified, and everyone was there when he rose from the dead. And so it was a public testimony to the entire nation of Israel that the Lord Jesus was crucified for the sins of the world, and he rose from the dead as he promised in order to provide salvation for humanity. These are some details that are very important to understand if you're going to identify not only the three days and three nights, but also understand how the Lord our God accomplished the salvation that he accomplished for us and how he did this in a very public way so that there was no question about the events that took place. These were very public events and the people were there to testify of exactly what happened. 
Now, understanding these details, I would like to now turn to a few passages in the Scriptures, in the Gospel of John, in the Gospel of Luke, and also come back to a passage in the Gospel of Matthew. I would like to go ahead and turn to some of these passages that people look at that apparently are problematic. I say apparently because if you understand these details that I just mentioned, then it's very easy to go into these passages and see precisely what is being described by the Gospel writers. Consider, for example, John chapter 18, verse 28. This is John chapter 18, verse 28, where it says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium. And it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. All right, now this is Thursday during the day, and this is after the Lord Jesus ate the Passover with his disciples. The Passover meal was eaten the evening before, but here in John chapter 18, verse 28, it says that the people were concerned about entering into the praetorium because they wanted to eat the Passover. Well, why would it say that they wanted to eat the Passover if the Passover meal was held the day before? The reason why was because they were using the term Passover synonymously with the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's why they were saying this. And the example that I gave earlier in Matthew chapter 26, verse 17, shows that these terms were being used synonymously. So when you see them using the word Passover here, you know that John is actually referring to the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and not the actual Passover meal. But because the meal of the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread was 24 hours after the Passover meal, people would identify the Passover meal with the Feast of Unleavened Bread as being part of the same festival overall because they happened one after the other. So that's what they're referring to here. When you understand that and you see them using the word Passover in John chapter 18, verse 28, then you can recognize that they're actually referring to the meal after the Passover meal, the meal of the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is actually the Seder meal. It would be this meal that they would be participating in what is described as the Seder. The Seder meal is not the Passover meal. It was not the meal that the Lord Jesus participated in. This was the meal that occurred 24 hours later that was codified by Rabbi Hillel as a meal that everyone would participate in in a certain order in order to ensure that they would all remember again the exodus from Egypt. All right, now consider another passage in John, John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, beginning in verse 13, we have another example of a potential problematic passage. In John chapter 19, beginning in verse 13, it says, When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. Now when it says the preparation day of the Passover, what preparation day was he referring to? Remember, there were three days of preparation, one after the other. Was it the preparation day for the Passover meal? Technically, no, it was not the preparation day for the Passover meal. That was the day before. This preparation day is the preparation day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where they would be buying and selling, preparing 
for the Sabbath that was about to be experienced. Now, why is it that the people would be focusing on Passover being the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Why would John choose to use the word Passover here? Even though it is in error, the people were beginning to place a stronger emphasis on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread as opposed to the Feast of Passover. The people were placing a greater emphasis on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was a cultural bias. Even today, even to this day, when you look on the calendar and you see the entry that describes when Passover is to be held, that is technically the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. If you think that that day is actually the day of Passover, technically you're a day late and a law short. And so even to this day, the Jewish people are placing a greater emphasis on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, calling it Passover. And so why be so surprised that the people in the time of the Lord Jesus were doing the same thing? If you understand that, then you can recognize exactly which day of preparation they are referring to. The next passage that I'd like to take a moment to look at is in John chapter 19 in verse 31. If you continue to read in John chapter 19 down to verse 31, it says, Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Here again, the preparation day that they're referring to is the same preparation day. It is the preparation day for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's the day of preparation that they are referring to here. Now, it also says that that Sabbath was a high day, which refers to the High Holy Day Sabbath, which was the Sabbath of the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread that only occurred once a year. Another important detail to recognize here is that in John chapter 19, verse 31, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away so that their bodies are not remaining on the cross on the Sabbath day. Now, why would they have to go to Pilate to ask him to do this? Wouldn't Pilate know when the Sabbath day was occurring? Of course he would know. The Sabbath day occurred every week. It was the same day. It never changed. But in this case, it is on a different day. It is not the same Sabbath, the Sabbath of the seventh day of the week. This is a different Sabbath that is held 24 hours before the seventh day Sabbath. This is a Sabbath that only occurs once a year. And so the people would have to go and inform Pilate that a Sabbath is occurring and they want the people taken down from the cross. Otherwise, Pilate would have known that, the soldiers would have known that, they would have taken care of that. There would be no need for the people to have to go and inform Pilate of this special Sabbath. There would be no need if it was the seventh-day Sabbath. That's a very important detail. If you understand the law, especially as it relates to the Feast of Unleavened Bread, you can spot this very easily. But if you don't understand the law of the Feast of Unleavened Bread then it's very easy to look at this and say that it is the seventh-day Sabbath, which is why many people are suggesting that Jesus was crucified on Friday, but in truth, he was crucified on Thursday. If he was crucified on Friday, they would not have had to go to Pilate to ask Pilate to take the bodies off the crosses. But because it was not Friday, it was on Thursday, they did have to go and inform Pilate because this Sabbath was not the seventh-day Sabbath. It was a different Sabbath. Consider another example in the Scriptures, Luke chapter 23, verses 50 through 56. This is Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 50. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, 
a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision and deed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that was hewn out of the rock, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. What day of preparation? It was the second day of preparation in this week. It was the day of preparation for the Sabbath, the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was about to occur as the sun was going down on Thursday. The Sabbath was going to begin Thursday night and was going to continue until Friday night, and then the seventh day Sabbath would be held from Friday night to Saturday night. Continuing in Luke chapter 23 verse 55, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. The Sabbath that Luke is referring to is the Sabbath day of the first day of the feast of unleavened bread. And so, if you understand the law again, you can identify exactly what day Luke is referring to. And if you understand that, then you can read this passage and you can see exactly what Sabbath day he is referring to, and you can acknowledge that this is not the seventh day Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath. This is a Sabbath that is being held 24 hours before that Sabbath. Consider one more passage, and this passage is found in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 62. In Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 62, he says, "On the next day, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate, saying, 'Sir, we remember while he was still alive how that deceiver said, 'After three days I will rise.' Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away." And say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard. Go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. Now again, in verse sixty-two, this is Matthew chapter twenty-seven, verse sixty-two. It says, On the next day, which followed the day of preparation. Which day of preparation? It was one of three days of preparation that were all in a row. In this case, the day of preparation that they are referring to is the day of preparation for the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day of the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They're talking about Thursday. That was the day of preparation. Now, what's very interesting here is that in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter twenty-seven, verse sixty-two to sixty-six, here we have the testimony of Matthew that the Pharisees and the chief priests gathered together, and they told Pilate that Jesus said that he would rise from the dead three days after he was crucified. They acknowledged the prophecy that the Lord Jesus gave that he would be in the grave for three days and three nights. And so, if he was not in the grave for three days and three nights, if he missed a day, if he missed a night, who do you suppose would be the first people who would claim that Jesus was a liar, that the truth was not in him? It would be the chief priests and the Pharisees. They would be the ones. All they have to do is stand up and say that the Lord Jesus was not in the grave 
for all three days and all three nights, and if they showed that he did not fulfill the prophecy that he proclaimed back in Matthew chapter 12, if they were able to show that, then they could discredit him as the Messiah, and then they could announce victory amongst themselves and claim that Jesus is not the Messiah to the people. But they did not do that. And so given that they did not do that, this should be evidence You should consider this to be evidence that the Lord Jesus truly was in the grave for three days and three nights. According to the Pharisees and the chief priests, they did not complain, they did not announce or suggest that the Lord Jesus was not in the tomb for three days and three nights, and so this in itself is evidence to show that he was, because the people who were his greatest opposition would have used that as evidence to show that he was not the Messiah. If he did not fulfill that prophecy, his opponents would be the ones who would show us that he did not fulfill that prophecy. But because they did not show that, because of that, we should have greater confidence that he was truly in the grave for three days and three nights. And if we have any confusion about it, it is only because of our confusion, not because of the people's confusion in the time of the Lord Jesus. It is because of our confusion, and we need to look in the scriptures with a little bit more detail. And that's what I have done in this series. I have examined this subject very carefully according to the law of Moses so that we can see that the Lord Jesus was in fact in the grave for three days and three nights. Another little side note, as I just have a few seconds left remaining in this broadcast, is that in the Hebrew Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew was actually written in Hebrew, in verse 62, it actually says that it was the day after Passover, which would read, on the next day which followed the day of Passover, which would mean that this would be Friday, not Thursday, because Thursday was the day of Passover. And that gives us additional evidence to show that the Lord Jesus was truly crucified on Thursday and he rose from the dead three days and three nights later on Sunday morning. And so when you understand the law with regards to Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when you understand the law and the differences between those two festivals, then it's very easy to track down the three days and three nights. But it is necessary for you to understand the differences between these two laws, and it's necessary for you to understand the law of the Sabbath for the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And when you understand these laws, then you can go into the scriptures and you can track these three days and three nights down. Well, I am out of time for this broadcast, and so I will just simply encourage you to continue to study the scriptures and trust that the Lord your God has fulfilled the prophecies that he has given and so that he can bring salvation to you so that you can now know your God. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net